Now we have some more bad news. The Federal Communications Commission is expected on Thursday to repeal the net neutrality rules that have guaranteed equal access to the Internet in the United States. For comment, we turn to John Nichols. Of course, he's the nation's national affairs correspondent. His most recent book is Horsemen of the Trumpocalypse. John, welcome back. It's good to be with you, John. So how would you define net neutrality? Well, net neutrality is the First Amendment of the Internet. Uh, it's the guarantee that communications on the Internet will be treated equally. You know, one of the great things about the First Amendment in our Constitution is the concept that its protections don't merely go to the wealthiest or to the most powerful or the most connected. Uh, you have a right to speak, whether you're a Koch brother or whether you're a working-class person challenging the Koch brothers. Now, uh, our Supreme Court has messed with that in some ways, and we could have a big, long discussion about uh, money and politics. But that basic premise of speech rights being equal is a fundamental concept of the American experiment. And when the Internet developed, it was a underpinning of the idea of how the Internet worked. Obviously, in its early days, communications were on a very equal footing. But as the Internet has become the dominant force in our lives, the vehicle by which we communicate uh, with our friends and, and loved ones, the vehicle by, by which we engage in commerce, and increasingly the vehicle by which we engage in politics, uh, not least the President of the United States as you know, kind of the yes. very active user of social media. You know, as this change has taken place, we have seen what we've seen in every other media platform in history. And that is an effort by corporations to get a sort of special set of rules that might allow them to profit off the Internet. And the fight in, uh, as regards net neutrality is really this, a very simple fight. If we eliminate net neutrality, telecommunications corporations will create fast lanes for content from corporate and powerful political entities that pay for speed, i.e. that you know, pay to be the, uh, the most rapidly delivered communication. And they will create slow lanes for those who cannot pay. I, I think that any of your listeners will well understand uh, the impact that that might have on democracy. So the FCC, under these rule changes that, that are to be announced on Thursday would allow internet service companies to charge users more to see certain content, would allow them to restrict access to some website, as you say, mm -hmm. to provide high-speed service to companies that pay for it or to the which they favor for some other reason. So the internet service companies would decide who were the winners and who were the losers. We could even get unlimited streaming from some websites and be charged for others, or others would just be slower. There's, there's many, many ways this could be a bad thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, but the basic concept is, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out you know, how it would end up. And that is, uh, to give you the example I always use, Walmart is the largest retailer in the world. It's this incredibly powerful uh, commercial entity. They rely a lot on the Internet. They rely on it to both communicate about what's happening in their stores and also to sell things. Of course, they're going to lay down a tremendous amount of money 
to make sure that their communications moves at the fastest rate and to the very top of any search engine. You know, when you, when you call up the name Walmart, of course, there they are right at the top. There are all sorts of groups that challenge Walmart, that suggest it's monopolistic, that suggest it is not fair to its workers, that suggest that um, it doesn't uh, provide a diversity of products, all sorts of, all sorts of critiques, and, and we know them well. There's groups like Walmart Watch. If they can't afford to uh, communicate at the same speed, at the same level as Walmart, we start to create a situation where the powerful entity has supercharged ability to communicate, but the watchdog, the union group, the consumer group, the community group that might be concerned about this monopolistic, powerful entity finds it almost impossible to get to the top of any list in a discussion. But also once people, even if people did find their materials and tapped on and say, well, I don't watch a video that explains you know, labor issues at this, this big retailer, it might move at such a slow rate that, that reasonable people would just give up, right, yeah. and save that yeah. too much. This is, that, that inequity, just to use, again, the simple Walmart model, but you could use it in politics, you can use it in all sorts of other areas, that inequity ultimately creates a, a situation where power, the powerful, the oligarchs, the, the plutocrats, those who are at the top of the game, in this moment, when we have so much inequality, could, by the FCC, be handed significantly greater ability to enhance their position uh, at the same time as those who might criticize them are undermined. Net neutrality is currently the law of the land because of an Obama FCC policy. What exactly is the FCC voting on 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 uh, Thursday, is there any chance that the FCC will decide not to change the Obama rule? Uh, it's unlikely that they will decide not to. Uh, the Obama rule was, was really simply an application of traditional communications law and to traditional communications rules as regards utility, you know, the, the public service component, the public utility component, component of uh, different media platforms uh, to the Internet. And it simply said, you know, look, the, the Internet exists as something that's vital in all of our lives. We need to have some rules, and the, the first and most important rule is that our communications should operate on an equal playing field, that you can't speed some up, slow some others down. Uh, again, you can't have a, a, a information superhighway for the wealthy and powerful and a dirt road for everybody else. And so the Obama folks did that, frankly, grudgingly. I mean, it's important to understand that this was a citizen victory. Yeah. Now, President Obama appointed some very good people to the FCC, but even some of his people were resistant initially. And millions of Americans demanded a, a functional Internet that actually served community, small-D democratic goals, as well as the commercial and entertainment goals of, of the powerful, the elites. And so uh, this is a very good thing that happened just a couple of years ago. It's hated by the telecommunications giants. And when Trump came in, he moved up one of the Republican dissident opposition members of what was the Obama FCC to the chairmanship. Uh, this guy, a former Verizon lawyer, uh, is incredibly determined to, to move this change. And he's got two allies on the five-member commission. So the likelihood that he gets the change uh, that he has proposed is quite strong. 
It, it's very likely. Now, it could get slowed down a little. There, sometimes you will see, you know, a last-minute decision to delay because of overwhelming input from the people. But I, I don't see that happening. So assuming that on Thursday the FCC abolishes net neutrality, what can we do then? You've said uh, this is a First Amendment issue. Can this be brought to the courts, or what, what should we be doing? Absolutely, it can be brought to the courts. And, in fact, um, that's what will happen. And, and that's the hopeful part of this. Now, there's a lot of ways that, that we could intervene to protect net neutrality after the FCC uh, does its dirty deed. One way is Congress, and Congress has a lot of authority in this area and, and could act. But obviously, I'm not expecting Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell yeah. to leap to the defense of, of people's communications. And so uh, really where the action is is in the courts. The good news on this is that groups uh, such as Common Cause and Color of Change, Free Press, which I've been associated with over the years, uh, have a significant history of winning in the courts on these issues. Where they win is an interesting area, and that is that uh, when the FCC takes an action that is overwhelmingly unpopular, when the overwhelming majority of comments and all the public input or overwhelming portion of the public input is in opposition to the FCC's action. If the FCC does it, we have uh, quite a bit of uh, case law where the courts have said, hold it, you are supposed to protect the public interest. You are supposed to you know, make sure that the, the people have an input as regards their airwaves and you know, their digital communications, all these different you know, ways in which uh, communications platforms operate. And so when we were fighting the fight over media cross-ownership, which is whether one company can own the newspaper, radio stations, TV stations, all these things in a town, when we were fighting that fight some years ago, the FCC did the wrong thing. But then that went into the courts, and the courts said, hold it, you know, that's not right. You have to, this thing has to go back and be reconsidered. And so that's, I think, the likelihood of what will happen. But it'll be a brutal battle, and it could take a long time and in that interim, the damage that's done could be severe. And so we have to also do one other thing, which is outside of Congress and the courts and the regulatory sector, and that is to put pressure on these telecommunications companies not to slow things down, not to you know throttle or stall. And that pressure has some impact because these companies will be competing for our eyes. Yeah. You know, that's what they sell. What they really sell is us. And if consumers band together and say, we want Internet service that is fast, efficient, and equal, there's, there's more to it uh, or more to that possibility than some might think. So multiple ways of responding, but we will have to respond if the FCC, as expected, kills off net neutrality. Well, we should just note here that the defenders of abolishing net neutrality say that competition is going to solve whatever problems we imagine, that the Internet companies will compete with each other to get those eyeballs, to offer a better deal than their rivals, and the consumers will get to decide what kind of deal they want. Gee, that sounds great. In the initial stages, you might see some of that, but here's the painful reality. What we see with our telecommunications, but also with our digital conglomerates, consolidation. Yeah. They're always trying to merge, you know, and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so they always tell us that competition will save us, 
But then in the next breath, they say, and, but bigness will be more efficient, right? Well, it's got to be one or the other. Yeah. And, uh, and here's the painful reality. When they say that competition will save us, I think in some initial stages on this, it's possible that if consumers band together and make demands, they can have an impact. And that's always vital and real. But in reality, a part of the competition is, is one of our problems. Because what Internet providers will do is say, um, come to us for fast service and you'll, be, you'll have access to a, a fast service to a million websites. Yeah. And you'll go, wow, a million websites. That sounds great. Yeah. Right? But if it's a million that, that are paying to have the fast service, uh, we've already got a warped discourse. One last quick question. Given how unpopular ending net neutrality is with the public, is Congress really a lost cause? Could this be an issue for the Democrats in uh, 2018, a year from now? Absolutely. It's a great issue, and it's a great issue especially for rural areas, um, small businesses, you know, all sorts of uh, constituencies that the Democrats have had some struggles in recent years reaching out to are very concerned about these issues. And so, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there. But one thing that's really vital is for Democrats to get good at talking about these issues. There are some people who are great at it, like Bernie Sanders, Ed Markey, a number of people in the House. But the fact of the matter is, uh, up to this point, Democrats have not made this a central issue. And it's really a part of remaking the Democratic Party in a broader sense to be a party that speaks effectively to the issues of the 21st century. And I cannot begin to emphasize net neutrality is a 21st century issue uh, that, if it's addressed correctly, could well influence the direction of elections. And frankly, should, because if we don't defend net neutrality, uh, we're going to have a lot harder time defending democracy. Net neutrality, it's been called the free speech fight of our generation. John Nichols wrote about it at thenation.com. His piece is called, If Trump's FCC Repeals Net Neutrality, Elites Will Rule the Internet in the Future. John Nichols, thanks so much for talking with us today. It's a pleasure to be with you, my friend. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.